What up all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there. Thank you for joining me for episode 148 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Jared Salem from nomadosaurus.com. He was sitting in Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan when we jumped on the call. And throughout the whole episode, my mind was just blown. I was so inspired because of the way him and his wife, Alicia, have designed their lives as travel bloggers. They are adventure travel bloggers that are absolutely crushing it with nomadosaurus.com. And we go super deep. We peel back all the layers about how they did it. I mean, they've been traveling for years now, and they just started blogging about their adventures and it just took off. And now they are living the lifestyle that I've been trying to design for myself now for the last five years in a monetarily comfortable, viable way that, again, is just so inspiring. I mean, the way he talks, his enthusiasm, the adventures they're having, the way they're doing it, his intrigue by entrepreneurship. I mean, it just, for me, is just the right episode at the right time to kick me in the pants, to keep me focused, to inspire me, to keep pushing hard. Because quite honestly, it's just always up and down. You know, Mon- entrepreneurship is is a rough, rocky road. And I happen to be at a low point right now that's just really frustrating me. And this jumping on the call with Jared just really inspired me, brought my spirits up, gave me hope that, you know, if they can do it, I can do it as well. And I hope you get that same sort of inspiration from this episode because they're awesome people doing nomadosaurus.com around the world and living a really, really cool life. If you're a first-time listener, please hit that subscribe button. I'd be honored if you subscribed. It really helps me in the ratings on iTunes, on Spotify, which are other places that you can listen to this podcast on. It just helps the message get out there, pushes me higher up in the ranking, so it's easier to find Misfits and Rejects on there. So please hit that subscribe button. If you like this story, if you are inspired by Jared's story, please give it a five-star rating. Uh, I appreciate, he appreciates it. So you can just do that on your podcast player. They usually have a little rating system for you. It's... um not on all podcast players, so if you can't find it, maybe they don't allow you to rate, but most podcast players allow listeners to rate the podcast, and of course, I appreciate a five-star rating if you'd give it to me, and if you feel so inclined, a review would be awesome as well. But I hope you enjoy this episode with Jared Salem. Again, nomadosaurus.com, super cool travel blog. Um, go check him out. Definitely worth it. He's got a lot of cool tours going on in Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, places that a lot of listeners I think wouldn't know are as cool as he describes it. Definitely a place I see myself going soon to connect with him and hopefully uh, do a live interview with both him and Alicia since she couldn't be on the call with us today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Jared Salem from nomadosaurus.com. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I have Jared Salem on the line from nomadosaurus.com, which is a travel blog and adventure company. Um, got connected through a good friend, Leslie Arnold, and once I read, it, read about them on their blog, I had to have them on the show because they've had some wild adventures and they've monetized their lifestyle in a way that I think would be really interesting to the audience. So Jared, welcome to the show. Hey, Chapin. Thanks so much for having me, man. Really stoked to be here. Hey, Jared, where are you calling in from today? Uh, calling in from Bishkek, the capital city of Kyrgyzstan. 
Oh, I love it, dude. Such a cool way to start an episode, have somebody in such an interesting country that I guarantee a lot of the listeners have never even been to or heard of because Kyrgyzstan doesn't come up the radar a lot. What do you do in Kyrgyzstan? What are you doing in Kyrgyzstan? Uh, well, right now I'm here running a Nomadosaurus adventure and photography tour. Uh, it starts on Saturday. We got 10 people coming and uh, joining me to travel around the country for a couple of weeks, and then I'm off to Tajikistan to run the same thing, but along the Pamir Highway, along the uh, border of Afghanistan. Beautiful. So when you say photography tour, are these like amateur professional photographers that hire you to be their guide so they get the perfect shot? It's kind of a mix. Uh, at the moment, like for this tour, uh, I don't think there's any professionals on board. It's more the photography aspect is something that I just kind of do to help people capture better photos, learn a bit about how to use their camera if they're interested. It's not a photography masterclass tour by any means. It's more focused on adventure and culture. Uh, we just ha throw a photography element in there because for me it's really important for people to come back from their holidays with great photos. They can show their family and friends and tell stories and that's where the photography element kind of comes into our tours, the Nomadosaurus tours, but it is primarily adventure and culture tour. Photographers don't necessarily need to join. Anyone can take part in it. Interesting. Um, do you have a photography background? Is that why you're so passionate about it? Not originally. Photography has kind of become a passion of mine and my wife, Alicia's, over the last few years. Six years ago, we'd never really used a camera before, and now we make a living from commercial photography and you know, working with tourism boards and tour operators to take photos of products in different destinations. So it, we're all self-taught, uh, but it's become a passion over the last few years. That's really cool, dude. I mean, going through your website and hearing a little bit about you and Alicia meeting and your story, it's very intriguing, dude, because, I mean, before you started this venture, um, which is Nomadosaurus, you guys had already been living on the road for, what, like five years? Is that what I understand? Yeah, man. Like, we... We both traveled independently and solo like over over a decade ago now. I left home like 11 years ago. Alicia left home 12 years ago. And we met on the road, kept backpacking around and traveling, living in a camper van and working on sailboats and doing all kinds of weird, weird things. And then we got down to Southeast Asia and started a blog and kind of continued on the travels. But instead of just sitting around and, you know, drinking beers and hanging out, we decided it would be fun to write about what we do and the places we go and take photos of it all and you know fast forward six years later and now here we are as professional travelers i guess and making a living out of it that's cool i mean as far as the timeline of when like travel blogging became a, a thing where did you kind of get into the market were you at the forefront of the movement in the middle like where were you in that movement i guess <laughs> Well, so we started it at the end of 2013 with no real plans or ideas on how to monetize it, whether we would make a living out or anything like that. But as we started doing more research, we were getting told back, even back then, oh, you've missed the boat, you know, travel blogging is, you know, you should have been in it five years ago when like the big original guys were there and all the money's been, you know, taken up now. There's no chance of breaking into it. Uh, and then... You know, we started end of 2013. We didn't really start making money until 2015. It wasn't even that much then. And it, but still then people were saying like, oh, no, it's there's not really much opportunity. You had to be one of the originals or there's nothing, no no room left for anybody. And like you look at it today and there's, you know, thousands of travel blogs, you know, making a living, you know, new travel blogs making decent money starting up every month, you know. And so I don't think 
the sailboat is gone by any means. But uh, yeah, when we started, we, we thought we were a bit too late, and you know, it's 2019 now, and there's still plenty of room. Oh, I love this kind of story. I'm so glad you're you're sharing this in this way because yeah, I think that is even with like podcasting, for example, everyone's like, oh, it's a saturated market, you know, and it's like it's not, and it never will be really, as long as you're doing something, creating something of value, and doing it consistently enough, like you can easily grow your brand, and no matter what you choose to do it. And would you agree? Oh, hundred percent, man. Imagine if you told a little kid who's picked up guitar, like, oh, don't bother, dude. Like, all the best music's already been made. Just give up now. You got no chance. Like. There's tons of room in this market for podcasting, for photography, for videography, for blogging, for, for any kind of creative endeavor. Like everyone's going to have a different take on different things. The world in particular, it's massive. There are so many places to go, so many you know destinations that people haven't really heard about or written about. And even the ones that have been written about a million times, like say Thailand, for example. We were just there back in, when we were in Thailand? April, I think we were there for a job. Went to a couple of places that when you Google it, nothing pops up. You know, in Thailand's the most saturated blogging market out there. There's tons of room for everyone, man. Like I hate it when people say, oh, it's a saturated market. Don't bother. Oh, me too, man. And then just so the audience knows, where is Alicia today? Because she couldn't be on the call with us. So Alicia couldn't be on the call because she is about halfway through a five-day trek down in the southern part of the country in the Ally Mountains. I have to admit, I'm hell jealous of her. Um but she's completely offline. She's doing a tourism like development project with the Swiss government down there. And it's, yeah, she's she's having a great time, I'm sure. But she I'm sure she would have loved to be on the chat as well, but she's too busy hiking in the mountains and staying with nomadic families. Interesting. So why didn't you get to go on this? because uh, we'd already committed to our tours, uh the, f- the adventure tours that we're doing here. So Last year, we both led the tours, and this year, we just decided only one of us really need to do it. So, Alicia was just going to kind of bum around Australia or maybe go to Southeast Asia while I was over here in Central Asia uh, doing the tours, but then this job opportunity came up, and we love Kyrgyzstan, and she's off to Uzbekistan and Tajikistan next, and we just love being this part of the world. So, she had a couple of opportunities arise, and she's taken advantage of it and gets to go play in the mountains. Beautiful. If you don't mind me getting a little more personal with you, why have you both decided to not run the tours together? I mean, I, I, you said that it's not necessary for you both to be there, but you are a married couple, and would, wouldn't it be something that you want to do together? Oh, definitely. We both ran the tours last year uh, with a local tour guide and you know with a local tour company, and you know we were both the two leaders, and we loved doing it, and it was great to bounce off each other and, and play on each other's strengths and weaknesses when it comes to dealing with various situations well when neither of us are tour guides so it was like brand new to us um so last year with the two tours we ran in kyrgyzstan we really focused on just giving our absolute best to the the guests our friends and, and followers and readers who had signed up for it so you know our first time doing it we just both wanted to make sure that we were there and present and able to cater for everybody uh and then with what we learned from last year we thought about it and said we probably don't need two tour leaders, even though people signed up, like our followers who signed up, potentially joined because they wanted to come hang out with us, which is really cool. Uh, but the more we thought about it, it just wasn't really necessary to have two people along with the local tour guide there. Um, so, yeah, we just decided this year that I'll, I'd step forward and do that and allow Alicia to manage our businesses while 
I'm doing it because the other thing is like while we're leading tours, like there's we don't have time to deal with all our other clients and to write blogs and manage our social media and our, all our different consulting gigs and stuff that we got. So the idea was that Alicia would manage all that while I can focus completely on the business on uh, the tours. But now she gets to go hike in the mountain, so she's even more offline than I am. So kind of turned it around in a funny way, but that's just why we decided to do things separately this year. I see. Okay, so when you say separately, like you're still based together, but like you'll go off and lead a tour while she's, you know, taking a new job somewhere else or sitting, staying back and managing your other ventures online. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. I'll I'll go lead tours. Alicia will ideally have a base somewhere and just kind of manage all the business admin side of things and look after our team and yeah, have one person doing tours, one person focusing on the business. That's great. And I want to circle back to all the various businesses that you have or, you know, just touch upon it because it's really cool how you've grown this thing. But can you tell the audience and myself, like, why you settled in, like, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, the Stan area that, I mean, for the American audience, we're just like, really? Like, you know, Afghanistan's at war. Like, I'd love the audience to really hear what it's like on the ground, where you're at, and why you love it so much. Yeah, for sure, man. So back in 2015, we were a overlanding across Asia. It took us a couple of years to do this trip where we weren't taking a single flight. Uh, and during that trip, we went through like China, Mongolia, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, jumped on a cargo ship, headed across to Azerbaijan, went through Georgia, Turkey, like went to all these like crazy offbeat places. But uh, the a couple of places really kind of struck us with how amazingly beautiful they are. Uh, misunderstood, you know, like you mentioned, Afghanistan's just there. Because countries like Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan end in Stan, people automatically think it's going to be a dangerous, horrible place to be, but it couldn't be any further from the truth. Like when we entered Kyrgyzstan, when we crossed the border from China, we just couldn't believe, like the country's 93% mountains. It's absolutely stunning here. And there's a fascinating nomadic culture and the people are amazingly friendly and it's relatively cheap and the food... I don't. I didn't know anything about Kyrgyz food before I came here, but it turns out the food's pretty decent, and you know, well, it can be hit or miss, but for the most part, it's pretty decent. And we were just blown away by how little we knew about Kyrgyzstan and how amazing it was. And if you like adventure, if you like culture, it's got everything you could ever want here. Uh, same with Tajikistan, and some of the like hugest mountains in the world are down that way, like over seven thousand meter peaks along the Pamirs, and. We love nature, we love mountains, and we love lakes, and that's why we wanted to be here. Also, with our audience and our social media, like the more we posted about Mongolia and Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan, those were the places that our followers were really interested in. Like we'd post a photo of a temple in Thailand or uh, you know rice paddies in Vietnam, and you know people love Southeast Asia, people love Europe, but. People know what to expect there. But when we share a photo from Kyrgyzstan or Tajikistan, people are just like, whoa, that's what that place is like? I had no idea. Like you said, you know, people don't know about it. They, If they're planning a holiday, they're not necessarily going to look at a map and go, oh, yeah, the former Soviet Union, that looks fun. Let's go check that out. Um, and just because of how much interest we got with our followers and readers, we figured, oh, well, let's uh, keep promoting it and telling people to go there. And we were getting hundreds of emails a year of people like i want to go can you help us out how do we get there what do we do when we're there and so we just ended up settling on the idea of like playing around and maybe running a nomadosaurus tour and we chose kyrgyzstan because it was 
the most stable politically. Uh, it, in our mind, it's probably the most beautiful place here, and it's got a nice very varied options of activities and things to do and attractions and history and culture and so that's why we settled here um and then you know for 2019 we decided to expand into tajikistan and do a road trip along the afghan border because it's epic it's amazing and it's safe no one no one realized it but it's actually really really safe there too so yeah that's kind of how we came through here why we settled on central asia for the our tours, and yeah, we've been here. This is my seventh time in Kyrgyzstan now. Uh, I love it. I'll be back again next year running more tours. Like, this place is absolutely phenomenal. Oh, beautifully said, man. I'm so articulate. It makes me want to get there immediately and join one of your tours. Um, with that said, like, how are you navigating the logistics of, like, do you have to have a business license to do these tours? Are you a resident? Because it sounds like you spend significant amount of time there. Are you trying to do border runs to get that you know extra three months in your your passport? How's that working? Yeah, no, so not a resident. Uh, yeah, we're we're a licensed business. We have liability insurance and all that, but we we use a local tour operator, like one of the best tour operators in the company, to handle all the logistics of the tours. So it's in partnership with them. It's a Nomadosaurus tour. It's our followers and readers that come along on it. You know, I lead the tours and we help design the itinerary. We do all the marketing, but then we hire a local tour operator to handle logistics, to supply the, the local guide, the driver, the uh, the vehicle, to make all the bookings and all that kind of stuff. So it is a partnership. Uh, in terms of visas, you get a 60-day visa on arrival uh, for most citizens, Americans included, Canadians, Australians, Brits. Most people can get a, a free 60-day visa on arrival. Uh, for Tajikistan, you get a 45-day visa. It's an e-visa. You apply online. It takes you five minutes. You get the visa usually in a day or two via email. So navigating through here is getting a lot easier in recent years. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was pretty difficult except for Kyrgyzstan. Everywhere else was a nightmare to get a visa, but now it's fairly straightforward. Uh, but yeah, not a resident, but you can come, stay for 60 days. You can cross the border into Kazakhstan for 20 minutes if you want, and then come straight back and get another free visa on arrival so it's pretty cool for that oh it's super cool um so where's your home base then when you're not in uh kyrgyzstan or tajikistan quite recently uh, we've used sydney in australia as a home base we're in fully nomadic for five years just wandering around staying in random accommodations renting airbnbs and cities that we go to working online we have the freedom to do all that uh we and we didn't really have any plans on heading back to australia but it's like you know, we're getting a bit older and our family, like grandparents getting a bit older and we decided we wanted to, you know, be a bit closer to home and spend some more time with them. Uh, so beginning of last year, we ended up back in Sydney for a few months just to kind of hang out with friends and family and, you know, sign up for a gym and like do normal things that normal people do. Uh, and we really liked it. So we've made Sydney our temporary base, uh, just staying with uh, my grandparents actually, uh, they've, they've got a spare room in one of their ha in their house in Sydney. And we just like crash out there in between jobs. We're never in Sydney. Like we're always traveling. We're always overseas doing things, but now we have somewhere to store our things like our camping gear when we're not going on a camping trip, for example. That's interesting. I've, I'm a part of the nomadic community myself and I, I've talked to a lot of people about this and a lot of people say, you know, you know, when you reach that kind of hundred thousand dollar mark, you know, as your digital nomad making money and traveling the world, um, you realize like if you really want to grow, you kind of have to create a home base for yourself where you're more stationary. Um, and which I'm not even close to either of those numbers, but like, do you find that to be true? Like, 
you need to kind of have like a pretty solid home base to really, you know, dig in. And, and if you want to grow your business, you need to be stationary. Definitely. hundred percent. Now, into, yeah, strictly from a business point of view, slowing down and, and having a little base somewhere has been the best thing we did in like beginning of 2017, we moved to Chiang Mai along with every other wannabe digital nomad in the world. And <laughs> Including me. <laughs> yeah, I love Chiang Mai. It's a great place for it. Yeah. Um, you know, spent three months there and that was the turning point for our business. Now, up until that three months, like we were, we were making all right money. Like we were surviving, um, you know, and we, we had a, a lot of followers and we were at that point where, you know, we could get free trips and free travel and that kind of stuff if we wanted it. And we were making enough money to survive and live comfortably in Thailand, but we weren't getting rich. And at that point, we didn't really think about whether we wanted to be rich or make six figures or anything like that. Uh, but, you know, we were like, let's let's really commit to the blog and to the online ventures and let's settle in Chiang Mai for three months. And that three months was just a game changer for our business, um, you know, you fast forward the six months after the three months that we put in and our income had like tenfolded. It was crazy just from that three months of working. And that was another point where we thought, well, if we really want to scale up and start focusing on growing the business and having a team and, and, you know, learning a bit more about entrepreneurism because we're not entrepreneurs by any means. You know, I was, we're both ski bums and like we were just backpackers. Like we didn't come from business backgrounds. Uh, but yeah, having the opportunity to slow down and focus on the business and having a routine and you know, getting up and not having to pack a bag and get on a bus somewhere, it was a huge game changer for our business. And income went up, we could hire more people, we could start scaling, we could start playing around with new ideas and ventures like running tours, like starting a consulting business business, and all kinds of different things. And Slowing down, having a bit of a temporary home base, even if it's not full-time, but just a few months at a time, it's, yeah, absolutely changed the way that we run all our businesses and definitely recommend it for anyone who's looking to scale up from that, you know, hobby point to actually making decent money. Right. But it sounds like it doesn't have to be um, in your home country. Like you could, like you said, you know, sitting in Chiang Mai for three months was the game changer. So theoretically you could sit in Kyrgyzstan for the next two years and then make that, you know, six, seven figure mark if, if you really worked hard. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It doesn't have to be your home country. The only reason we're in Sydney right now is like I mentioned, you know, friends and family, and we've got a few Australian clients now and that it makes sense for us to be there. The other thing is you don't have to worry about a visa in Australia. Um, we also have to pay tax in Australia, just the way it is. We haven't haven't managed to break that. You know, oh, we're complete nomads, don't have a residency, we're not paying tax. Like we still have to pay tax, and we're paying in Australia. So, you know, being in our home country for that purpose, at least we get to see some of the benefits of where our money's going. But uh, uh, yeah, you can be anywhere. You can be entirely. We, you know, we've rented Airbnbs in Buenos Aires and Santiago. I'm in one in Bishkek right now. And as long as you have stable internet, you can you know, do it from just about anywhere. And that's a great thing. You can pick a country that's got decent visa laws, like Georgia, for example, get a one-year free visa on arrival. And Georgia's amazing. Great food, good mountains, people are cool. Like, yeah, it's affordable. Uh, so, yeah, you can do it anywhere. It doesn't have to be in, you know, California or in Sydney or wherever that your home ties are. You can just wander around and pick a spot and go do it there. 
That's cool. Yeah, you bring up Georgia, and I'm I'm sure you've heard of people like An- Andrew Henderson uh, from Nomad Capitalists, where they they help people design their lives around being, you know, nomadic citizens of the world who don't really have any tax laws that they're having to commit themselves to. Have you researched that for yourself in your own lifestyle? Yeah, yeah, we've been doing research. Uh, we still haven't found the ultimate solution, unfortunately. Um, Australia's pretty strict with foreign income and tax residency and that kind of stuff. Alicia and I, we're both citizens of Australia. We don't have tax residency anywhere else. So we're looking into it. Um, we haven't haven't found the right solution yet, but we are researching. Fair enough, man. Yeah, I, I plan on doing a lot of research myself when I reach that financial threshold. Um, you know, with the, the you kind of alluded to that you do have other things going on you know you, this your your tour agency that you lead tours but you also have it sounds like uh people contacting you to come and do what for them yeah well, that's probably yeah sorry that's probably what we're most known for is like our destination marketing that we do so through nomadosaurus which is our influencer blog social media that kind of stuff we get contacted by tour companies, tourism boards and you know various yeah, operators to come and travel to a destination, take photos, put it on social media, write about it, make videos and that whole like destination marketing campaign and like we've had the opportunity to travel to some incredible places like you know Antarctica for example, you know for for a job, go down there, take photos, write about it. Like it's amazing and that's kind of what nomadosaurus is and what people know it for uh but yeah we've got other things going on behind the scenes because you can't put all your eggs in one basket after all no fair enough can you take us through that aspect of the business though because this is really interesting to me so a company like the company in what'd you say antarctica contacts you and says we want you to come down and how many followers do you have like what how how big's your influence uh total followers like across all platforms yeah like hundred and fifty thousand now i think Okay, across all platforms. So that's just not Instagram. You have, that's no. Okay. Yeah. Um, so not something on Instagram. I, I won't go into Instagram. But I think anyone that's putting all their faith in that one platform is shooting themselves in the foot. But that's a topic for another day. No, no. But that's this is cool. This is great because you know for some listeners out there, one hundred fifty thousand isn't that much to be making. It sounds like the kind of money and living that you both are doing right now so they'll contact you and say hey when we want you to come down and, and do a, a what for us like do you give them a package say hey we'll do video we'll do photos we'll write up a whole thing for you we'll put you on all our social media platforms for x price is that kind of the negotiation how, how it works yeah pretty much man like we will have people contact us like you know pr companies and people working for tourism boards who will find our channels or uh, they know about us through whatever method they come across us but yeah they'll reach out they'll hire us essentially we have like you know pdf rate sheets that we send through it's all nice and professional and you know we do this regularly it's our bread and butter for the most part so it's all streamlined and company will reach out hey guys we'd love you to come to czech republic or we'd love you to come to thailand or cook islands or antarctica or whatever what what will it take to have you come here and write about this destination or write about our tour that we run or whatever? Um, and then we offer blog posts, and to us, our blog is our most powerful platform. Um, so we'll offer blog posts, we'll offer social media, we'll do photography, whether it's 
we'll just take photos to publish on our channels or maybe they want to purchase our images for their own marketing licenses and, and purposes as well. Uh, video and then we can do content creation for their websites like if it's a tour company they might say oh in addition to writing on your own blog can you write a couple of blog posts on our website or you know can you take portrait photos of our staff like all kinds of like random things but yeah for for the most part the general package that we get hired to do will be like a couple of blog posts and social media we'll make a video on youtube uh, and maybe chuck in like 10 commercial grade photos for them and what is that price point running at? At the moment, it starts at five thousand US dollars for our like basic package, and that doesn't include photos or video. Uh, it'll just be like a blog post and some social media. So that's the basic, and then what's the premium? Like, I want the that's works. Like, you want the works? It goes up to fifteen thousand bucks, and if you want more photos and video, it'll keep going up from there. And then, is are all expenses paid? Like, they're playing, paying for your flights to get there, all your food, accommodation taken care of as well. Yeah, everything. We can't be out of pocket for anything. Oh, I love your business model. I love what you're doing, dude. <laughs> That's so rad. Um, and so this has been going for how many years now? Well, the blog's six years old, but um, that mid-2017, if I had to, like, I don't have you know a calendar in front of me. If I had to, like, pinpoint the, where it all started to become very successful was probably, like, mid-2017. Okay, and you and you kind of alluded to that secret sauce was kind of sitting down and just committing to it in Thailand, and that was the game changing moment. We're like, we're going to put all all our effort into making this a a viable business model. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the three months in Chiang Mai uh, was where it all kind of changed for us, where we tightened all the nuts and bolts and focused on SEO and you know really started to like learn new skills when it came to photography and videography and things like that and. And also, like, really growing the passive income, and because that's another thing is like our passive income streams are doing really well, so that we don't have to take any jobs to Czech Republic or to Kyrgyzstan or if we don't want to. Um, but we love doing that side of things too. So, yeah, it was like focusing on all those different elements while we we're in Chiang Mai that was the turning point for us. What are your primary passive in- passive income streams? Is it like affiliates? Yeah, advertising and affiliate. So we're with a company called Mediavine for advertising. Uh, so they place banner ads on our website, which Alicia and I both hate, but the pay is really good. Um, you know, it's as much as we hate the whole idea of our website being covered in ads, it's it's a great income earner. So we have ads through Mediavine, uh, which are a great company. We're not sponsored by them in any way. We just love the product that they have. And then affiliates, so we'll do Amazon. Uh, you know, various accommodation affiliates like Hostel World and Goda, Hotels Combined, Booking.com, uh, and then other like kind of bits and pieces like different com- um, yeah, different products that we recommend and use. We'll have affiliates with those as well. And that's more or less the passive income stream. When I mean, I hate to ask this question without Alicia here to uh, answer for herself, but if you had to kind of say like my strengths are this and her strengths are that, what how would you, how do you, how would you describe that? How would you divvy up the work or how can you describe that for us? Yeah. Uh, so my strengths are definitely with the business side of things, uh, with the admin, uh, and then with like SEO on the website, which is something that I do quite, quite seriously. And we also have a bunch of clients for SEO that we work for. Like we help do their SEO as well. So for me, it's more the technical 
and the business and admin side of things, where Alicia is much better at the creative side and organization. Like I, I'm horrible when it comes to like organization and time management, and like I really need to rely on things like you know Asana and Slack and and different like productivity tools to like keep me on track. But Alicia is like she's focused. She's she's great at that kind of stuff, and she keeps me on track. Uh, but Alicia's a lot more creative than I am. She she does all the videos. She does the majority of the photos, and and she's really good at coming up with ideas for businesses. And I'm better at implementing them. So we we complement each other perfectly like that. I mean, it sounds like it, dude. For just meeting randomly in a hostel and now creating this this enterprise that's blossoming. That's beautiful, dude. Did either of you have any business background, or have you literally learned this all off of YouTube? Oh man, I didn't even learn it off YouTube. Like we had no clue about anything, you know. I was like a stone of ski bum, just like hanging out in Canada and you know, met Alicia and she's you know, she was a lot more straight edge than I, but still like an awesome fun chick and didn't you know, neither of us came from business backgrounds. Like we just did casual work, anything we could do, man, to stay on the road. We just wanted to keep traveling, so you know, working in hostels and hotels and, you know, Alicia would clean hotel rooms and work in cafes and I worked in bars and worked in a strip club for a beer and worked at a skydiving center. No, I wasn't stripping. Uh, I, was, I was bouncing. I was doing security. But, uh, like, literally anything, I didn't have a clue. I'd never had a, had a job anywhere that I had to be in charge of numbers or rosters or anything that, you know, most – people in business have background in. We, neither of us went to university or college. Uh, we both finished high, we both graduated high school and then basically just worked blue-collar jobs until we had enough money to hit the road. Uh, and that's how it's been. Um, but, you know, we're in our 30s now and we've definitely learned a hell of a lot. Uh, and, you know, we're still learning every day, but the business side of things, we've got a couple of really good mentors now which are really helping out and, yeah, it's it's a learning process, man. Like, you know, things are going really well. They could definitely go better if we applied ourselves a bit more. But we're still having fun at the end of the day, you know. Like, you know, Alicia's off trekking and we, we go and do fun things instead of, like, focusing 100% on the business. Because at the end of the day, what's the point of, like, having all your, all your energy going towards scaling up and growing and business and all that kind of stuff if you're not actually going out there and spending your money and having a bit of fun too? True that, dude. Amen, brother. Let's talk mentors real quick. Because I was about to ask you about, like, have you joined like uh, masterminds, like the Dynamite Circle? I don't know if you ever heard of them. Um, and can you describe to me the type of mentors that you really feel have helped you? And are they paid mentors? No paid mentors, and we're not part of any mastermind groups. Although it's not something that we're against. Um, we've had opportunities to join a few. Um, some we felt like they weren't going to be the right fit and others were just too expensive that we couldn't justify the cost to join. Uh, and as for mentors, it's just been people that we've met along the road who luckily for us have taken a shining, I guess, and taking us under their wing. Um, and they're just people that we can lean on and, and hit up with ideas and people who kind of touch base and give us support. Like there's a, like a really good friend of ours who owns a hostel chain around Southeast Asia, uh, Mad Monkey Hostels. You probably stayed in a couple of them on your own trips. Um, anyway, one of the one of the owners of that, Steve, is an absolute legend. He was he was a bit of a mentor for us in our early days, and you know was really helping us focus and and 
figure out what path we had to be on and and then just a few other people that we've kind of met online who you know who are really good at SEO for example um, who I lean on quite heavily with my own tips and advice uh, like looking for tips and advice sorry and then they'll come to me for different things you know about more passive income and that kind of stuff so definitely like if we could find the right business coach and mentor um, paid or unpaid like I definitely definitely out there looking but it's been quite a casual endeavor for us at the moment oh man that's super cool yeah I, I was in Chiang Mai like I alluded to and joined this group called the Dynamite Circle and just yeah, being surrounded by like-minded people has been a game changer for me I was residing in a small fishing village in Nicaragua for about 10 years and um, a lot of entrepreneurs around me but nobody really doing the online game and then getting into the the Thailand scene you know with all the nomads and the, the Mecca which is Chiang Mai every October November has really been beneficial to me that's cool, man. And yeah, I think if if people are able to go and put themselves in that in that environment, surrounded by digital nomads and entrepreneurs, and like it's it's a huge it's a huge benefit if you can do it. Um, for for me, that's another reason why we're in Sydney because it's not so much the business digital nomad scene that that is huge there, but it's a very very great place to be creatively. And for Alicia, that's amazing, and she's meeting some like world-class like creators and people who are like just real amazing ideas people and so just by being in different environments makes a huge difference Chiang Mai is amazing for it I know Chiang Mai in Bali is meant to be pretty good um Medellin in, in Colombia is growing for that as well um yeah when I was in Nicaragua I didn't definitely didn't come across anything like that but I'm you know I'm sure there's places popping up all over the place and yeah just Surrounding yourself by like-minded people, and, and I, another thing, like you do have to be careful with who you meet. Like one thing I found in Chiang Mai, where you know, met a couple of people who were like amazing when it came to like Amazon FBA kind of stuff, and they were you know proper awesome people. But there was also a lot of like pyramid schemes kind of things going on. So you got to like be real wary about who you choose to align yourself with and who you take on as a mentor. I agree 100%. I mean, that's kind of, for me, the motivation to get to Chiang Mai originally was just meeting some people that came through Nicaragua to selling snake oil, you know, and I was just so sick of hearing that they could turn me into a digital nomad if I just bought their course or whatever, you know, and when I ask them, like, how much money they're making, they wouldn't tell me, <laughs> and then I'm just like, all right, dude, like, never mind, but um, how many employees do you have working for you right now? Employees, we've so we've got two VAs and we've just hired our first like proper employee, a guy named Chris who's coming on as our head of content strategy. Uh, then we just have a bunch of freelance writers uh, who they they're very very regular, but I wouldn't classify them as employees because you know that you know we're not paying them a salary and you know they're not officially on the books and all that kind of stuff. But you know we we pay them to write a whole bunch of content for us and. We, you know, we'll use them to write for our, you know, various clients as well when they're looking for content creation. Um, but like, I guess in terms of like official number of employees, it'd be three right now. Nice, dude. Um, what are your goals with this? I mean, do you each like assess each year, like where you want to be financially and with the business as it grows every year? Or is it just kind of rolling with the punches? Yeah, like a, a smart business person would probably do that. Sit down and like come up with five years. <laughs> whatever but like we 
we're just kind of like winging it really we've got both got goals for where we want to be in five years time and 10 years time and they're really kind of refining themselves right now but really we just want to keep making money like for me the whole i love i'm starting to love business and entrepreneurism and i want to i want to grow it and see where this could go and you know we're at six figures now what can we do to get to seven figures you know and the way things are going, I think we'll be there in, you know, a couple of years, maybe sooner. Uh, and for me, that's just exciting. And if it all goes bust, well, whatever, at least I gave it a crack. I'll just go back to being a ski bum, happy days, you know, but it's fun. It's fun doing this right now, but we don't, we don't have like a whiteboard or a vision board or anything like that with a, you know, set target, like, you know, by 2022, we're going to be turning over a million bucks or, you know, whatever, like we don't have anything like that. We're just kind of saying, let's go. That's cool. What is a personal goal, if you wouldn't mind sharing? Like, just where do you see yourself personally, like in five years? Are you going to be with happy home and family, like kids? Are you going to be still traveling? Or do you have any kind of idea? Yeah. I mean, Alicia's probably got a bit more of a different idea than me. We're both, we're not looking to have kids at the moment. Uh, it's just a personal choice. Um, we're both very happy with where we are professionally and personally in terms of, you know, the business is very profitable right now, making great money, and we can up and go wherever we want. Um, I think in, let's say, five years' time, I think in five years' time, the roles that we have in this business will be very minimal, uh, and that's something that we're already trying to trying to do, like by you know, hiring a head of content to basically you know, manage all the writers, do the editing, and, and develop the direction that the blog Nomadosaurus is going. Um, you know, that's a step in, you know, minimizing my hours. And Alicia, in turn, like when we get more video contracts, we'll probably start hiring more videographers to go and do these on our behalf. And same with the tours. Like I'm not going to keep running tours every year because it's just not manageable and it comes down to that whole business side of things. Um, doing more personal trips is something that we want to do just because our schedule is so hectic. Like we're booked out until like, early to mid next year now with trips and contracts and all kinds of random things. And now we're booked out for July, August, September next year too, which is amazing. And it's like exciting to see, but you know, I've, I'd really like to have my personal role and Alicia's personal role in Nomadosaurus and our other business peak evolution media be, be almost like zero, you know, the whole four hour work week, you mm -hmm. know, we can do that now. Like I can shut my laptop for a month and, we're going to be making amazing money regardless, but I'd like that to be where it, it's purely like a manager kind of role. And I'm not, we're not really going off. And when we get hired, when the Masaris gets hired to go to Thailand, like we don't actually go to Thailand. We'll send people and go and do that. And we've already like played around with that kind of thing. Uh, I'm not sure if that answers your question. It just goes to show how like little we've thought about where we want to be in five years time. No, it's super clear, loud and clear, dude. Um, it, it also sounds like you, plan on having other businesses and growing other things that so this thing will be basically systematized it'll be more or less on autopilot and you'll then be growing a new venture of some kind that's it man 100 percent. and then i'll just come and you know go surfing in uh in nicaragua or snowboarding in canada and just like keep doing the things that we love and why we got into traveling in the first place and just let yeah systems and processes run their run their course and let the team do their thing and do the things that they're best at. I love it, dude. Um, I, 
one the one trip that I got to hear a little bit more about before we sign off is your moto trip with uh, Alicia from Asia that you were originally heading to Africa for, and it took you two years to get not even to Africa. <laughs> is that correct? Did you buy motorcycles and then ship them to Asia? Like, how did that work? <laughs> nah, bro, we're on a um, we're on a slow, on the slow boat to Laos, which people a lot of people do when they're backpacking through Southeast Asia. And we're just chatting to a dude um, on the boat, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, blah blah." I like bought motorbikes in uh, me and my friends bought motorbikes in Mongolia and rode around. And he was just telling us this cool adventure travel story. And Leisha and I were sitting on the boat, like, "What? That sounds amazing!" Like, I we don't know how to ride motorbikes. We're like, "We want to buy motorbikes. That sounds awesome." So then we got to Luang Prabang in Laos, um, had a couple of beers, and I jumped on whatever the Lao version of Craigslist or Gumtree is, and just like punched in like motorbikes for sale, Luang Prabang, and these two Canadian dudes popped up, and they were coming through Luang Prabang the next day, and they were planning on selling these crappy Chinese 100cc motorbikes. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Hit, hit them up, and you know, within 12 hours, we'd bought these two motorbikes with like no experience no plans or whatever so we bought them in Luang Prabang and then we spent the next 10 months riding around Laos Vietnam and Cambodia just like no itinerary no plans no clue like no skills no nothing we were just like I had a bike Alicia had a bike and we just rode and we just like went wandering and went traveling around and like love and life and we sold them in Vietnam. We couldn't take them into China, unfortunately. They've got some difficult laws. Like you, if you don't have a Chinese license, you have to have a chaperone with you to like drive or ride or anything. So we didn't go to China. We ended up selling them in Vietnam, in Phong Nha, actually. Um, so we didn't get to take the bikes all the way across Asia. But, yeah, 10 months, 15,000 kilometers, we rode around Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. And it was amazing, one of the best trips we've ever done. Sounds incredible. Yeah, I was about to ask about crossing borders with bikes that you bought off Canadians. Was that ever an issue? Like, did you have to grease people or like? No, not really. So, again, this is where Nomadosaurus kind of it started its growth, I guess, really, when we bought the motorbikes. Because at that point, people were buying motorbikes in Vietnam and riding around. And they were, we weren't the first to buy a Vietnamese motorbike outside of Vietnam and cross borders. We definitely weren't the first to do that. But we were the first people to write about it because there was zero information online and we didn't meet anybody who had done it or anyone who had heard of anyone doing it. So we were just like, well, I guess we'll just ride to the Vietnamese border and see what happens. And that's basically like what we do. We just like show up, like hide the bikes, go up to these like random remote border crossings that, you know, maybe like two tourists a week would go to, you know, like they were remote. Um, and we just see what would happen. We'd show up and just be like, hi, we want to go to Vietnam. And they'd see like our helmets and the motorbike. Like, no, no, no motorbike, no motorbike, and whatever. And we didn't have to bribe anyone, luckily. Um, but yeah, it was just like pure experimental. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what had happened when we get to a border. It was just, yeah, trial and error. And it worked out in our favor. And we wrote a lot about it. And even today, like, you know, five, six years after we wrote those blog posts, um, they're still helping people cross borders in Southeast Asia, which I'm stoked about. That's interesting. I was a little confused though. So when you'd get to the border at these rural crossings, you would pretend you didn't have motorbikes or you would just roll up and say, we want to cross and eventually they'd let you cross with the motorbike. A couple of times we'd show up with the motor, like we, we had no choice. We'd have to ride up to the gate with the motorbike. And at that, that point we can't lie, you know, you just 
we'd just be nice and friendly and whatever and patient. Um, but other times we'd like stash the motorbikes like behind a bush or something before we'd walk up to the border and just see what had happened. And it yeah, worked out a few different ways. Like there was one time where we – I can't remember which border it was. I think we were going – back into Cambodia. I can't remember which one it was. But, uh, yeah, we, like, stashed the motorbikes and then went up and did the whole, no, we don't have motorbikes and whatever, and they eventually stand to see him. And then we're like, oh, we'll just go get our backpacks. And then we, like, hooned it, <laughs> like, jumped to the bikes and just, like, bolted straight through the gate. Um, and, you know, people are waving at us and they'd already stamped us. So we just, like, waved and kept going and then get to, the like, the next border crossing and quickly try to do the paperwork before anyone caught on. But it always worked out in our favor. Jesus Christ, that is awesome, dude. That is so gangster. <laughs> like crossing borders in Central America trying to do that. Like I can't I don't think you'd get away with that, dude. Like there's no way you could get through a border like that. Like but that's rad that you did it that way. That's so gangster. Yeah. And yeah, it was fun. Um and then just so then so you sold the bikes and then you made your way via land across China and then to the Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan and everything. Is that what I understand? Pretty much, man. We crossed into China. We hitchhiked like into Tibet and around that part of China. Took trains and buses and you know whatever we could. Got up to Mongolia. You know, kind of took shared buses around and then spent seven days hitchhiking across the north of the country. Uh, entered back into China and then it was just all like local buses and trains at that point. Um, and a cargo ship to go across the as uh, the Caspian Sea from Turkmenistan to Azerbaijan, and uh, yeah, just like that, just like thumbing it and public transport. Radical, and then all that money has just been accumulated by working odd jobs along the way. That you, you just kind of save up for a few months in a hostel, and then hit the road and start thumbing and taking buses. Yeah, before so when we were backpacking around Central America, that was like with money that. Alicia, you know, we'd earned when we were living in Canada. So I was doing roofing construction, um, and Alicia was working in hotels and cafes, and that was just savings. Um, and like I've always done construction work, so the pay for that's usually pretty good. We'd do that for a few months at a time and keep going, and then try to minimize our costs on the road by like working on a sailboat in the Caribbean, for example, and things like that. Uh, for Southeast Asia, I was doing construction working on the mines in Australia for uh, just over a year. And Alicia had a couple of jobs working in Western Australia um, to, yeah, make ends meet. So, like, her money would go towards, like, living, and I was, like, working and living on an island off the coast of Australia for a while. So I had nothing to spend my money on. So all, all that money just went into savings. Um, and that's what we lived on for the first two and a bit years across Asia, like, living super cheap, um, you know, backpacking and hitchhiking and eating street food and, you know, just doing the typical cheap backpacker stuff um but yeah that money lasted us a couple of years until we managed to get nomadosaurus earning good money so rad dude i love it so rad so if you could talk to one audience member listening right now who's just super psyched and inspired by your story like i am and uh, give them some words of advice some words of wisdom on how to get started if they wanted to start a blog or i don't know even like just get out in the world and travel for the first time uh, what would you tell them dude just go and figure it out as you're going. It's, you know, you can sit there and plan for months and for years and try to study SEO and marketing and affiliates and blogging and whatever, SEO, you know, all the things in the world that you can, like, oh, I'll 
I'll hit the road when I, my knowledge is at this level or when, you know, my you know niche website's making four figures a month. Like, oh, then I'll hit the road. But like if you're always waiting for that like monetary goal or for that, like, oh, I'll wait till, you know, I, I can't leave this year to go backpacking. I'll go next year just because then my car payments will be lower or whatever. Like, time, you know, they say time is money, but it's more Time is way more valuable than money. It's not renewable. You can't earn more time. So, like, if you're thinking about going, just just go and figure it out. And, like, worst-case scenario, you hit the road, you become broke, you hate it, you go back home and start a hustle again. You just go back to, you know, serving plates in a restaurant, like, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. You just do it, man. Like, if anyone's wondering when to go, like, now. Yesterday was the time to go. Yesterday was the time to start a blog. Like, People tell me blogging, I, I was too late to start blogging. Don't do it. But they were wrong, you know. Uh, just go. Just hit the road. Start a, start an affiliate website. Start, you know, a, a blog. Go backpacking. Get a one-way ticket to Guatemala or to Thailand and then figure out life as you go. That's that's half the fun. I wouldn't have had any of the amazing adventures I've had up until now if I was, like, sitting at home trying to plan everything out. Dude, what a great way to close this. Thank you so much, Jared, for coming. Please give Alicia our best and tell her that we want her on the show. And maybe both of you come back on when you break that seven-figure mark. Would absolutely love to, Jaden. Man, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. And, uh, yeah, if anyone in your audience wants to hit us up with an email, like we we'll, we reply to everybody. He's always happy to help out, answer questions, and uh, hopefully I get to see you on the road at some point, man. We can have a beer and share some travel stories. I'd love it, dude. Yeah, check them out, nomadosaurus.com, folks, uh, and then get to, to uh, Kyrgyzstan where they have their tours. It'll be epic. Thank you very much, man. We just announced a Mongolia tour leading, uh, leaving in July next year too. We've got a whole bunch of cool things going on. But uh, get out there, start that hustle, hit the road, start traveling. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Sick, dude. We'll talk to you soon. Ciao. Awesome, Jared. Thank you so much for joining me. Again, check out nomadosaurus.com if you are interested in that type of photography or what he's doing, what he's blogging about. If you have a travel company or something like that, check him out. It sounds like he's doing some really cool stuff that might benefit you and your business or even your life. You know, Going on one of his adventures can be life-changing and something I have no doubt that I'm definitely going to join him for in the near future. If you haven't yet purchased a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt, I would be honored if you did. You can go to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop, pick up a t-shirt. I send them anywhere in the world, so please don't be shy. You can know that no matter where you order from, you will get your shirt within you know three weeks to a month, depending on when you place your order. And thank you again for listening. I think you all are so very, very beautiful. I appreciate the love. I appreciate the support. I appreciate your comments. Again, this episode for me really just kind of struck my core, really inspired me, reinvigorated me, made me feel like I'm on a good path. I'm doing good things. Gave me a lot of hope that I'm getting closer. I'm almost there to making Misfits and Rejects more viable, surf progression techniques more viable so I can be more full-time on the road and not continually have to go back to the California or take odd jobs that I don't really want to do in the first place just to make ends meet. We all have to do something to survive. We all have to cash up when we need cash. and It's not always doing things that we're passionate about, but it's awesome to hear a story like his and Alicia's that you know they worked hard 
and then they worked really hard for about three months and went over that tipping point. And now they have a lot of different passive income, passive income streams that are making them enough money to where if they didn't want to take a job, they didn't have to. So hats off to you, Jared. Hats off to you, Alicia. I look forward to chatting with you both again when you reach that seven-figure mark. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you in next week's episode. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.